Hello and welcome everyone to our next episode of Help and Trade podcast, where we give space to entrepreneurs and their startups. My today's guest is Xavier, entrepreneur in Lausanne in Switzerland. And without further ado, Xavier, I would like you to take the stage, introduce yourself before we go on all sorts of questions that are in, may interest the audience. So please, Xavier, the stage is yours. Thank you, Stefan. My name is Xavier. I'm the CEO of uh, WeCount. And WeCount is a company that we founded with three associates 18 months ago, which helps entrepreneurs run their business. We take care of their bookkeeping for them and send them regular updates on their KPIs, financial KPIs. Our solution uh, consists of two pieces which are put together. The company is called WeCount, but we've got a piece of software which is called YouScan, and that's exactly what our business is about. YouScan, WeCount, the customers are actually just scanning their uh, paper invoices and uh, paper documents. All the digital documents can be uploaded directly onto our platform. And once we have all the documents to do the bookkeeping for them, we just do it and send them back their numbers, their KPIs, financial KPIs, how their um, turnover is doing, if they are doing profits or losses. That's uh, that's basically uh, the service in, in a short summary. Perfect. The main question, of course, that everybody's interested in is why are you doing it? <laughs> I've been an entrepreneur for the last 12 years and uh, I've been always utterly frustrated by how my accountant was working and how the bookkeeping process was completely out of time, out of sync with my daily business life. You know, uh, you would submit your documents to your bookkeeper every three months to get a VAT declaration filled out. And in the meantime, you had no idea of how your KPIs were. So it was all a very... Uh, paper-based process and nowadays I cannot understand why we should be doing everything on paper and not uh, digital like we do now. Yes, there is a specialty specifically in Switzerland that everyone I know so far as an entrepreneur, they all have to go through a personal accountant or they buy a software which has a quite expensive license and then you have to do the accounting yourself but that's not your field of training in like 99% of the cases. So I was really wondering like, is this a usual thing? Is this like every market is like this? Or uh, is Switzerland a bit special because everybody wants to go through accountant? Is that also sort of like a social status that you actually have to go to accountant? Wow. Is that sort of a thing? And where do you stand with WeCount in this? I think it's it's a very good question. If you look at the ecosystem as an entrepreneur, you do not have many options. Either you have money, and then you can actually outsource completely your process to some trustee or accountant who will do the whole work for you. Or you have the technical skills to do your accounting yourself. And then you have two options. Either you install a software locally on your computer or you use a cloud-based solution. Then you have to have the know-how and skills on uh, the how to process the documents, how to enter the ledger how you should you know manage your books and that's very technical so for an entrepreneur nowadays it's uh, it's either or either you work with a trustee or you have the skills and you do it yourself but then it's taking a lot of time and you're saving money but it's taking a lot of your time which you are not spending on developing your business so that's where we have an edge you know by offering something which is at the same time very comfortable for the entrepreneur and at the same time you have a full transparency on price and we are two times or three times cheaper than a solution of working with a fiduciary or a bookkeeper 
Indeed. This is something that I was really wondering about, that there is a lot of space for interpretation in bookkeeping. From my own experience, when I was talking to, to some people, they were suggesting me, giving me advice, like, you should probably book it this way or you should probably book it this way, before I found your solution, which is, you know, this is how we met. <laughs> um, but there is the, the question of it, if you can automate the processes for your clients, is this sort of a thing of there is still space for interpretation somehow covered in it? Do you also have sort of like a competitive edge over it? Because you know there are standard formulas, but there are also exceptions and you can understand those exceptions and implement them. Yes, absolutely. You know, in Switzerland, we are we have a lot of freedom in terms of the ledger that we use. We can uh, we can customize it according to the customer's need. For example, if we have a customer who is doing some consulting business and at the same time sell some uh, educational program, well, we can uh, adjust the ledger so we have two two categories in which to put the figures. So if she does some uh, some consultancy work, it will go in that category of turnover, and if she does some uh, selling of educational material, it goes in another. And you can also replicate. You can do it in euros, in francs suisse, in Swiss francs, and everything. And then you know you can. You can manage your business as you want. We have a lot of freedom in terms of uh, the structure of your ledger. And then uh, we, we do offer that personalization to our customers. So if a customer has a, a business which is online business of selling uh, products, then it will have a different ledger than a customer who will do some, uh, some counseling. Some... It's, it's very dependent on the business of the, of the customer. Wonderful. And you can automate these sort of processes or is there a person that can actually or has to sit behind it and does the accounting for the person or what is the process behind that that gives you this sort of freedom to personalize? We are trying to, well, it's it's, it's a different thing, you know, of personalizing the, the things. We, we try to streamline as much as possible, have uh, one sort of process which we follow for all customers. But of course, Everyone has a different business and has different specifics for that business. So everyone needs to be able to have uh, their uh, KPIs according to their own business. And that's what we try to do with our customers. So they, they send in their invoices and their documents. Uh, we uh, process those documents. So we, we try to automatize as much as possible the reading of the documents and the, the pre-treatment of the document. But at the end, it's always a bookkeeper who will make the writing of the books and uh, will pass on the, the right, right lines in the ledger. So it's, it's a bit of both. We have some automated processes, but at the end, it's always a human being who's behind it and who will read the document and make sure that the document is passed on correctly in the bookkeeping. Speaking of uh, bookkeeping or human aspect still being needed, what do you think how the future of accounting will look like? I think more and more we'll see some automating, automated processes come into play in bookkeeping. It's, uh, it's nonsense to have uh, people uh, reading documents and just extracting numbers of that document. So that part of the process, which is just transactional bookkeeping, has little value uh, compared to uh, the fact of putting the right right um, uh, amounts in the right categories. And that's where we have more added value. So the first first brick of just reading the document and, in, and, and the interpretation are two things different. 
So the reading of the document can be automated, but I think that the interpretation of the document, where the bookkeeper's intelligence is at stake, will still for some time remain done by humans. Understood. So the interpretation is the tricky part. Absolutely. That's where you get the knowledge and the know-how. So that's, that's something you can try to put rules uh, in place. And for certain businesses, it's quite obvious. You know, once you start working with a business, it's always the same invoices which are coming back. It's always the same uh, uh, sellers that they purchase goods from. So it's, it's very easy after a while, you know, you get into a sort of routine and you know from, for that specific customer, this type of, of invoices have to be treated always in the same way. And that's important to have consistency in the bookkeeping as well. And then all the rest, uh, everything which is new to the business has to be somewhat uh, read and interpreted by knowing your customer's business and understanding where that invoice is coming from and what it does for him. Actually, at the beginning, we thought that we would be able to streamline everything and automate everything. But at the end, when we asked our customers uh, what they found great about our service, it was more the human aspects of it and uh, giving advice and being there with them and sharing them our experience and taking them by the hand and, and ensuring them that their bookkeeping was done properly and according to the Swiss regulations and that they can be in confidence with what we do and that they will do the work properly for them. Mm -hmm. The sort of solution that you're offering, will it be able to expand outside of the borders of Switzerland? What will be the requirements for that? The solution we offer could be very much expanded outside of the borders of Switzerland. We have some competitors doing the exact same things in all the other regions of the world. It's just a matter of making sure that the, the bookkeeping process is done according to the laws and regulation of the country. But uh, you, you just need to change the engine, actually, to make it work in another country. So uh, that's totally feasible. I see we count you have firmly in your hands. And I already asked you about the why. And when we spoke about the why, you mentioned you're an entrepreneur for 12 years. And that it came out of frustration with handling the accounting yourself or through third parties that led you here. Now, I smell that there is something about you and entrepreneurship that we should probably tackle, which is your journey, entrepreneurial journey. Because that means you already had some businesses before, and yet you made still a decision to go for them, yet another one. And a huge challenge it is, because accounting is not easy. So my question on this spot would be, What were the businesses before? What led you even to start entrepreneurship? Because as you may know, the whole podcast is all about motivating other people. And we want to show them that John around the corner can do the business. So why not you? And the same is Xavier in front of me is just a normal human being as, as I am. So what makes you special that made you change your mind, go for entrepreneurship, do it for 12 years. And what did you do? Okay, yeah, uh, we had that deal with my wife that the first one of us who would uh, land a job in Asia, the other would quit his job and uh, follow. And that's exactly what happened. So my wife won. So uh, she, she got a, a job offer in, in Beijing, in China. And so I, I left my job as a corporate guy in, in Switzerland and we, we moved the whole family to Beijing. So uh, she was very busy with her work, you can imagine. I was busy taking care of the kids, but being in China, you are in a total different culture and total different, uh, yeah, it's it, it, in another world. And it's very eye-opening situation. So all of a sudden, you're not uh, in your normal environment and you start looking around and you start having ideas and you say, okay, 
why don't we have that in Europe? Why don't we have this? And uh, wouldn't that be successful in that country or that country? And uh, one thing that came up uh, again and again when we had visitors coming, whether it was my parents, my family, friends, each time we took someone to a park in China, they were uh, completely amazed at uh, outdoor fitness equipment in the parks. It was 2008, right after the Olympics. City of Beijing had made huge investments in sport facilities and uh, outdoor fitness equipment were the big thing at that time. And in Europe, we had no companies doing that. It was a, a very... It was very unusual for, for us, European, to see people doing exercise in parks, etc. And that was the moment where I had a, a friend looking for job ideas or business opportunities in Switzerland. And that's how we started the business uh, 12 years ago. So, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a matter of luck. It's a matter of having the right curiosity and, uh, and f smelling, feeling an opportunity. I mean, it could have failed, but uh, we, we were lucky on this one. There was a market need in, in, in Europe, in Switzerland, and that's how we started the business in Switzerland. That means the business is still running. The business is still running. I'm not involved in the company anymore. I sold my shares to my partner 10 months ago. So he's taking care of the business in Switzerland. But I'm still in the business because I bought from him the, the right to sell this type of material and the, this type of product outside of Switzerland. So he's managing the Swiss business and I bought from him the right to expand outside of the borders of Switzerland. Wonderful. And that's what you also do now throughout Europe. That's absolutely right. Wow. So you're managing the business, which is borderless within Europe, selling outdoor equipment for parks, for exercises, while you do also WeCount. Yeah, WeCount is a bootstrapped adventure. So uh, uh, we invested a lot of time, a lot of money in the venture, but we are not making any profit or any revenue from the company at the moment. So I still need a steady stream of income in order to uh, be able to spend time and energy on developing WeCount. So right now you're actually being carried still by the sports equipment company. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What is the name of the company, if I may ask? Uh, the company's name for Switzerland is Herbafit. And for the international market, we just launched a new brand, which is called Outletics. Outletics for outside sports, outside athletics. That's wonderful. It uh, reminds me of some other name that I think is a sports equipment. I'm not sure. I will come back later to you. So we talked about your start of entrepreneurship and your journey through Asia, actually, to here. Did you actually start a company already in Asia or you waited until you came here to start it? No, Herbafit was uh, incorporated as I, still, I was, as I was still in Beijing. Okay. And what were the lessons learned that you had on your way here? Because it's a bumpy road, obviously. But what was the one big lesson that you think everybody needs to understand about business or starting a business? You know, one thing we did, we, we, we decided to go for that business of uh, outside fitness equipment. But uh, we partnered up with a guy who was in China as well, had his own company producing steel parts. But when we, one mistake we did was partnering with a guy who did greenhouses. So he was used of doing some static equipment. And the first shipment of machines we sent to Switzerland, the first part we installed, luckily we donated it to the city where it was installed. But after three weeks, uh, all the machines were completely broken and not usable because all the dimensions of the axles we installed were too small and too under, under specified. Uh, 
so uh, after three weeks we had to close the whole installation down and that's the time where you ask yourself whether you did the right choice or not so you know you should not desperate uh, when you make a mistake you should learn from your mistake and actually this turned out to be a great adventure because we had to partner with some metal constructors in, uh, in, in Geneva and that guy which we found out was perfect fit for us because he taught us everything we needed to know about the product itself. He became a good friend of us and he helped us out through the design of the equipment so that we would not make the same mistake twice. So in, in business, you're allowed to make mistakes that are very welcome. You should learn from them and then improve your service or improve your product based on your mistakes in order to, to make progresses. But don't stop when you make a mistake. It's normal. Just keep on doing what you, what you want to do. Believe in it. I'm really actually mesmerized by the fact that if I understand well from like a bottom line information that passes through is that you're yourself not an engineer. I am an engineer. You are an engineer. Yeah, I'm a food engineer. Food engineer. So I know how to cook. <laughs> <laughs> But it has nothing to do with uh, sports equipment itself. Nothing to do with sports equipment, nothing to do with accounting. But uh, you, you never know where your life leads you. I mean, and the sports equipment, it was very funny because, you know, As every small entrepreneur, when you start, you're always looking for some cheap solutions uh, for to, to keep your revenue or your cash. Uh, you know, as as you try to burn as less as as little money as possible. And so, for your bookkeeping, you always start with a friend of a friend who does the bookkeeping for some other companies, and they'll help you out because you're nice to them, because, and, and then you, you pay him a pizza or you pay him a, 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 some pasta and he's happy and you're all happy. And you start growing the business and your needs are evolving with time. So after a while, when you start having to fill out VAT declarations every, every three months, every quarter, you realize that the solution that you had at the beginning is not working anymore. You, you start having delays on submitting your quarterly VAT declarations and you get summoned by the administration and, and, and then it makes you think about your process and you start professionalizing your process. And that's actually very interesting because that's where I, I, I noticed that there was no evident solution for small entrepreneurs. Either you have a lot of money, you're making a lot of cash and then you can pay 6,000, 8,000 francs a year to have a professional trustee doing the books for you. But if you don't have that kind of money and you don't have the skills, you're stuck in between and you have a solution that either is not optimal or you have to spend a lot of time and energy teaching yourself into the bookkeeping process and uh, that's that's basically it i was aiming at uh, specifically focusing on the fact that despite the fact that you're not an engineer for example of uh, sports equipment or you're not accountant yourself yet you found the solution to that and that's now your business so i was wondering what would be your advice for other entrepreneurs how to proceed with it because there is always a wall in front of you And there is always going to be a wall. And the fact that you're not an engineer of sports equipment and yet you have a sports equipment company sounds like a pretty big deal to me. The same with the accounting. Like the fact that you're not an accountant and yet you have an accounting company seems like, well, how did you do that? How did you find the right people to, to do that or the solution? How do you even overcome your own fears out of, hey, come on, I'm not an engineer. How am I supposed to deliver a solution? I think it's a matter of curiosity. Uh, we all have skills, but it's a matter of curiosity and finding the right people to help you out where you have weaknesses. For the sports equipment, my partner in Switzerland was an ex-sportsman, so he had ideas of uh, movements that you could perform and what would be good or not good on your physical condition and how should we divide the machines, etc. 
But then for the construction part, it was very interesting. You know, I, I've always been very curious. I, I studied food science, but I never really worked in the food industry. Even in the corporate world, I, I could not stay where I was. You know, I was always looking for other opportunities or other fields of interest to, to broaden my horizon. So... I never learned how to be an engineer, but I had some notions of plenty of things during my studies. And with those tools, you know, you start digging around and uh, un try to understand how tubes can be welded together, how sh you should cut the tubes so that the forms would fit and you can, you can weld them. And then what do you do in terms of uh, treatment so that you prevent corrosion and powder coating, exterior surfacing of the equipment. And it's, it's all a mix of everything. And you have to actually ask around for people who are more skilled at that or that and It's a bit of networking, it's a bit of curiosity, and it's being open to alternative solutions. One example, when we started outdoor fitness equipment, I had a friend working for a Swedish company producing ball bearings, and he said, well, if you want to have moving parts on your machine, you have to have special type of ball bearings, very expensive, 60 Swiss francs per piece, etc. And we said, okay, we do that. On some machines, we had something like 10 of those ball bearings, so you can imagine the price of the machine. And after a year, the machines being standing outside, you had humidity coming in, and the ball bearings were not usable anymore. We had to go back to the sketchboard and start brainstorming on the situation. And now we use the same technology as uh, the medical world with artificial hips. So, you know, and since we switched the construction, it's a very stable, very durable uh, solution. And it's, it's perfect for outside and putting equipment outside. We have very little maintenance on the moving parts now. So it's, uh, it's all a matter of, you know, talking to people, exchanging ideas and trying to make parallels between your problem and problems for, from other industries and then try to replicate that into your own business. This is so great. <laughs> I'm really happy to talk to you exactly because of this overcoming attitude of challenges. One thing is that you're not engineer in sports equipment or accountant yourself and you have those two companies, but also the attitude towards, I would say, even life yourself, you're a curious person. And having a broader horizon helps a lot. So my question on the spot would be, what keeps you going? What really motivates you to go for the entrepreneurship furthermore, develop the company to the next level, struggle on the way, keep on learning? What gets your grind going? I've been always very frustrated in the corporate world of creating value for other people than myself. It's been behind my head for a long time. And I think that as someone working for companies, for corporate companies, I never could stay in one company for more than three years because after a while you get bored of doing what personally I need I need challenges and since I started working for myself the first company I worked I created and worked for 10 years and I expect to work also a very long time for WeCount and for that new company Outletics so it's uh, it's what makes my heart beat you know creating value for the company and uh, helping people solve problems whether it's a public health problem by offering simple machines to exercise and have fun outdoor or helping out entrepreneurs solving their their problems with their bookkeeping and making sure that they're happy and that they have all the information they need to, to drive their business in the right direction. It's, it's what makes my heart tick. What is the next big challenge that is expecting you? Well, we count that um, is at a moment where we have a 
a very good fit between our product and what the expectancies from our customers. Uh, we launched the product 18 months ago and the feedbacks we get from the customers working with us is extremely good. So we know we put our fingers on something which is good. So now the challenge is to accelerate the development of the product and accelerate the growth of the company by acquiring more customers more rapidly. We found out we, over the last few months, we had COVID and everything. So it was great for us because it gave us time to reflect on the processes and reflect on, on our experience so far. We used that specific time to start discussing with people, tried a few new strategies for customer acquisition. And I think we found out some good promising ways of talking to our customers and acquiring new customers. So the challenge now is to you know, accelerate the growth and at the same time, accelerate the development of the product. Is there some specific skills you're looking on the market right now? Is there some specific solution you're looking at? Or is it really just customer acquisition that means marketing and sales? It's, it's a bit of uh, customer acquisition, business development, that's for certain. And the other big challenge that we have at the same time is the development of the software. Uh, we started by a very simple application which is running on uh, iOS. Uh, to scan documents and send them directly to a server where they are kept for the whole 10 years that the customers have to maintain their archives for. So that solution is working. We have it for iOS. We have a third-party software for Android. So we, we have the, the, whole, the whole backbone for the customer so that they can send us their paper documents. For the digital documents, they can uh, upload them on the web server. That's totally fine. Our challenge at the moment in terms of development is actually to, to bring everything together and have on the application itself all the KPIs, all the dashboard for the customers. And that's what we are working on at the moment. So we are working really on that U-Scan application and we try to make it the bookkeeper in your pocket. So you, you can actually send it your documents and it will get you the information on the financials of your company real, real time. Sounds really worthwhile. Also like a solution that you could actually outsource, license uh, or sell as a you know, plug and play solution to big companies as well for their employees, you know. Uh, yes, uh, we, could, we could do that. We have also some talks with other fiduciaries who find out that the system is working fine, it's very modern, the interface that we are working on is very sleek, much nicer than what a fiduciary or trustees are using for their bookkeeping, which is old school PDF documents with your balance sheet, profit and loss, etc., which is still needed, of course, for the administration and for tax reporting purposes and stuff like that. But uh, we try to be a bit more modern in our interface with the customer. We try to listen as much as possible to their needs and include that into the development of the software. So it's a bilateral process where we try to talk to our customers, we launch new ideas, we discuss with them, gather their feedback, and before we, we put an official launch to the product, we, we try to incorporate as much feedback as we can in the product development. Sounds like a, quite a lot of work ahead of you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and we're looking forward to it. That's great. So right now you're actually active throughout Switzerland, right? 
Our main focus at the moment is still the western part of Switzerland, the French-speaking part of Switzerland, because that's where we are located. But uh, we started working also with you in Basel, and the bookkeeping principles are the same all around Switzerland. So if we have customers from the German-speaking part or from the French-speaking part or Italian-speaking part, we can, we can do something for them. Yeah, definitely. As I mentioned, this podcast is all about motivating other entrepreneurs. And we are actually already reaching half an hour. So my question on the spot is, what would be the one thing you'd like to share with others that you think is necessary to get into entrepreneurship? What is it that people should think about or what kind of advice you think would help them go there? I think if you want to start being an entrepreneur, you, you first have to have a few ideas to try and test out. Make sure that you try out, you pitch your idea to as many people as possible and be open to the answers you get from them. Your idea might be worth nothing, but by talking with someone, you might realize that there is maybe another point that you did not think of at the beginning and which might be actually gold for a new business. And then once you, once you have an idea, make sure that you have the resources to, to go to the end. I mean, you, you definitely have to have enough money for that specific project you're working on. Make sure that you, yeah, you have the means and skills to do it and find out the right people to work with. This is not a script dialogue between us two, but you actually played perfectly into my cards when you say you need feedback. That's one of the building blocks of help and trade. What we're trying to achieve is that you can put your offer on our application and get feedback from people. Just see what it is worth. Is there actually someone interested into your offer? Because I am on the same board as you are. You need feedback from people that are not your family and friends to establish the value of your idea. And you need to test it before you actually go full in. Because there is plenty of news topics about successful companies but there is even more about those which failed. And you, you better be sure that you tried, you tested in, before you actually commit with the money, for example. Absolutely. You have to, to test your idea as much as possible. Even if it's uh, just a piece of paper on which you scribbled and uh, you, you laid your process on and you can, you know, b before we had the application, we had uh, one piece of paper showing how the screen would look like. And we went to people hairdressers, uh, people in the consulting business, etc. And we, we, we showed them, we, we said, okay, well, look, you scan, that's how your screen will look like. You send the information, we reply to you with this type of information, etc. Would that be a process that works for you or not? You don't have to have a computer to try out an idea. You can have a piece of paper and you're fine with it. Xavier, unfortunately, half an hour, that's our format. Nevertheless, is there some information you'd like to share with the audience? at least the contact to you. Oh yes, of course. Well, if you, if you are an entrepreneur and, uh, and you'd like to outsource your bookkeeping because you don't feel safe doing it yourself or you feel a bit insecure or you do not have time to do it yourself because it's very time consuming, uh, you're welcome to check our website. It's uh, wecount.swiss. S-W-I-S-S and contact us, send us an email, send us, uh, send us a request and we'll be glad to help because everything we do, we do it for our customers. You know, we try to help them stay on top of the ball and uh, yeah, we do our best on that. I'll be sure to share your link everywhere I post a post about our podcast for sure. Any other social media, anything that people can connect with you? Yes, we have a page on LinkedIn. And we have also a page on Facebook, which we haven't used so much at the moment, but we'll be working on that because we think that there might be, uh, might be a good way of connecting with our customers. I'll make sure to share the link via our blog post then. 
Would thank be great. you, Stefan. Xavier, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. I think there is something really valuable behind the WeCount company and also the outdoor sports equipment company as well. So I really thank you for your time. It was really worthwhile. I think the audience will also appreciate your kindness or your openness speaking about your experience so far. And there is something to motivate others as well. Thank you for that, Xavier. Thank you very much, Stefan. And dear audience, thank you for listening. It's one great episode of podcast, at least in my personal opinion. Let us know how do you like it or don't like it. At least a like helps. And connect with us via social media. You can now find us also on Instagram where we're sharing the stories of uh, people that are using our application, which is Help and Trade. We have a Facebook where we are sharing all sorts of posts, including the stories behind people of Help and Trade that is Help and Trade as well. We have a Twitter account and we have a LinkedIn page as well. Just type help and trade online, you'll find us. The important information is that we actually launched our application recently and we are in open beta stage, which means we are now ready to show you something. It's not a final product, but we need the feedback. So please share your ideas and thoughts on help and trade, how we can improve so that we deliver an application which is worthwhile for you personally, for you as a business owner and for starting entrepreneurs as well, because that's all in our focus. Thank you very much for that. And once again, thank you, Xavier. It was a great episode. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye-bye.